Okay, fantastic, you can hear me. So some people have said, hey, DDK, just stick with the memo. <laughs> and I'm going to do that, okay, so that we can get on with it. Very valid. And I'm going to keep it um, to that so that we can get on to the end of it, right? So I was saying that taking ownership is extremely important. It's extremely important to learn to take ownership. And it begins with recognizing when a divine idea is coming to you. And I shared about how burdens are such a powerful um, way that God, it's, it's a powerful pathway through which God begins to open up a divine idea to you. And someone had asked, look, what, if, look, what, if, what happened if in the beginning I picked this divine idea and then sort of fizzled away? Did I lose it or wasn't in mind from the beginning? And I was sharing about em, um, emotional uh, evocation. On that spectrum, that there are about five different stages, right? On to sufficient persuasion. And emotional evocation is basically, look, at the beginning, it's evoking emotions. You're feeling bad, you're tearful, you are angry, but you might just continue to feel that way. Except you begin to pay closer attention to that burden, research about that burden, pray about that burden, share that burden with someone else, or even serve maybe as a volunteer with an organization or a project that is solving that burden. You will not move on to sufficient persuasion that you have a role to play to fix it. I hope you get this. So many people have lost burdens because they did nothing with it. And it was just at the level of emotional equivocation, emotional evocation, apologies. Don't forget that we have many things fighting for our attention, many things fighting for our emotions, right? And if new, stronger emotions come, they can make uh, uh, the emotion of that burden weaken in your mind. So don't play with burdens anymore because they're a key pathway through which God begins to alert you to a divine idea, a solution, um, or you know something he wants you to create and do with him, right? So you pay attention to that. The second thing you pay attention to is seeming circumstantial um, uh, connections or coincidences. If coincidences begin to happen in a season of your life and you can draw a line of similarity, don't don't miss it. Many times coincidences are God working but choosing to stay anonymous. So four times in one same month, three different people have said to you, I've invited you to come and speak, you know, on a platform to young women about identity. In the course of one year, you have gotten, um, you know, you, you have interacted with seven books that were speaking around the same thing. I'm just saying, and there are so many examples I could give. Or in the course of one month, you, you feel like you're just jamming someone again and again, um, you know, in an environment. You must begin to look closer to what is going on in your life, to what is going on in your environment, and begin to use it to shape your understanding of your life. So if you, if you are seeing a similar thread running through seeming coincidences, occurring circumstantial occurrences that are just happening around you, you want to start to pay attention. Every time you're researching and Googling, you know, you are just surprisingly landing at some pages that deal with certain type of, you know, solutions or conversations for Africa or whatever. And I'm struggling with some examples here, but you are seeing those seeming coincidences repeating themselves. It's like a pattern 
of light bumping into you, alerting you. That's literally God trying to get your attention many, many times. So I'm not saying do anything immediately, but back off and just be like, okay, what's going on here, right? And that is a possibility of how a divine idea can enter into you. A third way a divine idea can enter into you is a, in a cognitive fashion. And that means you are reading, you are researching about something and an idea begins to form very strongly. An idea begins to form very, very strongly in your mind. Many people think because an idea didn't come to them in the place of prayer, it means that it's not God. That's not true. God is a cognitive God, right? He has a mind. There's such a thing as a mind of Christ. So he's not just a spirit that is in God is a spirit, right? He has a mind. So he is a spirit with a mind. And he's got a cognitive part of him. And that's why scripture says no one teaches him wisdom. No one counsels him. No one gives him knowledge. He's knowledgeable. He has wisdom. He has understanding. And no one can search his understanding. His understanding is unsearchable. So for some of you, an idea pops up in your mind and you randomly begin to research about it. You're just like, how can we even fix this, this energy crisis in Nigeria, right? And you're just thinking about the educational system. What can we even do differently? This back to school pack thing with noodles and pencils and ruler is not solving the problem. And you begin to research. You're looking at how it was done in Malaysia. You're looking at how it was fixed in Singapore. You're thinking about what happened in Rwanda. How did they, how did they fix their corruption? What can we do with our own governance? And as you begin to ask these questions, you are reading books about nation building. It begins to build bigger in your mind. That could be God again. That could be God. That's a third powerful pathway. A fourth powerful pathway is personal spiritual entrance, personal spiritual entry, personal spiritual encounters, right? You are in the place of prayer, studying the word, you are worshiping, and God begins to speak to you expressly. I want to do this with you. I want to use you in this way. You are writing it. And at a time, you begin to feel, oh my God, am I crazy? Why will all these things be coming to me? Me, small me. Why will God say I'm the one who is going to confront um, abortion in the, in the U.S., that I'm going to want, be the one to bring the answers. Why me, small me, never let small you hinder significant you. Never let small you hinder significant you. Never, ever let it happen to you, right? You have to pay keen attention to believe um, what God says about you. Someone has asked me, and I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to be answering questions. Okay, I'm going to take the last point again. But someone just asked, any recommended books on um, nation building? There's a book I've got here, Nation Building by Bobby Udo. Nation Building by Bobby Udo. I have two copies of it because it's too good to be true. Forwarded by Fela Duro to you. That's my answer for you, Rolly Wilkie. It's a powerful book. So let me take the last point again, Joanne. The fourth point I was sharing here Okay, we're back. Um, so do me um, you know, a chat again, just let letting me know. We're gonna get through this. So I have to run now because of the state of our internet, but we're gonna get through this. I promise you, we're gonna make it through together. I thank you so much for your diligence. No 
it seems like no participant has left. Everyone just is um, here with me. I'm very impressed by your diligence. And I do believe that answers are coming to you. Write to me and let me know. Can you see the screen? And can you hear me back? We're back again. Can you see the screen and can you hear me? Please let me know. And thank you for staying with me. Thank you for hanging in here um, as we've been through this session together. Please let me know. Fantastic. Thank you so much for um, the feedback that you've given to me, alerting me that you can hear me now. Thank you so much, right? So I was on the fourth point talking about personal spiritual encounters. This is yet again such a powerful way that God reaches us and God gives us counsel and God begins to introduce a divine idea, a divine thought to you, right? You're worshiping, you're praying, you're studying, and you just begin to pick this insight. Sometimes that's so clear you are writing, depending on how much you've been hearing and how you've grown your spiritual intelligence. And we'll talk about that in a bit. You now begin to write, God is giving you ideas. He's saying, I want to use you. I want to you know, solve problems of corruption through you. I want to take you across the world. I want you to invent this for me. And you're like, me? I can't even do that. Like, why would God think me, think this great of me? He knows what he's put on you that you don't even see. You've allowed your past pains and the negative things you've experienced and the names you've been called to condition you subconsciously. And that you will find is usually one of the first steps that you even need to take to be able to partner with God. You definitely need to begin to see yourself the way that he sees you because your conditioning is going to want to kill you. Your conditioning is going to try to make you disbelieve what God is saying. It's, it's so important for you to be able to say yes to your significant future, even though your small past wants to hold you back. So don't let the small you hinder the significant you, right? Don't let the small you hinder the significant you. So that's a, first, a fourth way that a divine thought can start to enter your mind, right? It's through spiritual encounters. So books on spiritual intelligence, um, I, would stay, I would say start with Following God's Plan for Your Life by Kenneth Hagin. And I would also say read Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner. No, start with Good Morning Holy Spirit. But first book I want you to read, Following God's Plan for Your Life by Kenneth Hagin, and then read the series, Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And then if you are up for some deep, deep insights, especially about how the prophetic works, I want you to read The Seer by Jim Gall. The Seer by Jim Gall. Whoever got it, please help us put it um, in the comment section so that I don't distract, um, you know, uh, the students as we continue, right? So that's a fourth pathway. And right for me, the different pathways, just let me know that you are, um, you are here with me and you're listening closely. What are some of the pathways that I've shared with you, right, um, today? Um, yeah, and the fifth one is prophetic confirmations. Is a powerful pathway that God used to, uses to show you um, that he's not kidding with you. And this one is usually a layer pathway. What that means is you won't have experienced one of the earlier 
uh, pathways and then confirmations begin to come. And this is happening to me so much in this season of my life. Random people are saying exactly what God has said to me privately. Some things that I'm still like, oh, am I ready for this? Gosh, this too much, this too big, right? But he begins to send people, strangers entering my DM and saying, this is what I saw. The books I mentioned, um, um, Good Morning Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, my senior partner, Following God's Plan for Your Life by Kenneth Hagin, as well as um, The Seer, Seer, S-E-E-R, by Jim Gall. Those are books that I want you to consider that are going to really help you. Of course, you get yourself a copy of Firebrand as well. It's definitely going to be an eye-opener for you, okay? So that's what we mean when we say creative work. It's a partnership between you and God. And it starts with taking ownership of the divine idea as well as utilizing your creative capacity to make it prosper. Let me run to the sixth point at this time, right? Since we've talked about creative work and it's super different from hustling, I want to show you what, what happens with hustle. You know, in the, in the previous slide, I talked to you about creative work and I, and I was showing you how God plants um, planted the garden his eastward of Eden, and he put the man whom he had formed in it so that he could tend and keep it. But in between this scripture and when we get to the next scripture I want to show you, something had changed, right? Something had changed. What had changed was Satan had visited um, Adam and Eve and had a conversation with Eve, right? And had messed up the whole setting. Satan had gotten um, into the scene and he had intruded into, um, he had intruded in the relationship that God and Adam had because they had violated the terms of uh, the visionary assignment. And I share all this in full again in module four and module five of the full bootcamp. There are terms and conditions, and that is why a person can start in the spirit and end in the flesh. A person can actually start off by, you know, really picking a divine idea and running with it. And as they go along, they get corrupted because they violated the terms and the conditions. Because don't forget that uh, creative, the creative work is like birthing a seed that you were impregnated with. It's covenant. And there are terms of that covenant. There's a way that you carry out God's work. So between this scripture and this scripture here, Satan had stepped in. And here he had become upset at them. Um, he had now said, I need to get you out of the Garden of Eden. I want you to notice something. Then God said, the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like us because he had now eaten the forbidden fruit uh, because he had become tempted and deceived by Satan. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life, eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taking. Guys, I need you to listen with your inner ears. Over here, the man was put in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So he was actually tilling, a, he was tending and keeping a certain type of ground. It, it was the garden. He was tending and keeping the garden. But when Satan deceived him and he was chased out of the garden, he was still on an assignment out of the garden. But this time, he, he now started to till the ground from which he was taking. So when he was in the garden, he was tending and keeping it. 
He was nurturing it. It wasn't his, it wasn't his original work. It had been, it was a work that God had done. And all he had to do was to continue to ensure that it was in great shape, right? That it was in great shape. He was nurturing it. He was tending it. He was taking care of it. He was making it blossom because that's what a creative work of divine vision is. When God gives you the idea, God is committed to the idea. It is his guarding. It makes it prosper. All you have to do is to tend and keep it, nurture it. You know, um, 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 what's the word now? Water it. Continue to add, make the value that God has put in it multiply. But when he was chased out of the garden, he wasn't tending and keeping. He was now tilling the ground from which he was taking. He started to till the regular ground. And that is the exact meaning of hustle. Right? Hustle is hard labor. It is not creative work. It's not in partnership with God. It is hard labor that a man will engage in so that he can sustain himself. And it happens when we introduce the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So hustle is hard labor that a person engages in as they till the ground so that they can sustain their own needs. And it happens whenever we create something to satisfy the lust of the eyes. Don't forget that was what caught Eve. She was caught by the lust of the eyes. Don't forget she said it was appealing to the eyes. She was caught by the lust of the flesh. Don't forget she said it was desirable, right, to eat and the pride of life. It was desirable to make one wise. Don't forget this, right? So, and this is so profound because many people are in hustle. Anytime you find yourself creating a work, a vision, that, um, uh, that you want to use to meet your financial needs, the desperation for financial gain, monetization, and we're in a monetization generation. How to monetize your gift? How to monetize your talent? You want to monetize everything. You want to monetize giftings you have not even developed. And you can't separate the one that you were meant to use to serve humanity to the one that was meant to serve you because they are different. And you don't even know the season you are in, whether you should still be, you know, submitting that gift, fine-tuning it, ensuring that there's, there's value produced from that gift. You already want to monetize it. You want to monetize raw talent. You want to monetize when character is not even being groomed, right? So whenever we find ourselves hungry for the lust of the eyes, you also want to start earning in dollars. You want to earn plenty money so that you, you, you can... Put out your screenshots of what your sales are looking like. Everything is monetization. And, and it's all about meeting your own needs. You might be entering into the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, sexual seductions. People are, people are creating stuff just because it feels good. Feels good on the flesh. It's exciting. Right? It, and some people are building stuff that are, they are connected to sexual lust. It's all about pleasure. It's all about what excites you, what interests you. And that is why this whole message of following your passion, follow your passion with caution. Following your passion must be taken with a pinch of salt. You see, because the whole purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to die, but when he came to the moment of the, the cross, when he came to the moment of death, he actually started begging, let this cross pass over me. 
till he said, not my will, but yours be done. Let me tell you what, there'll be moments when you stand in the presence of your vision, of your, of your life's purpose. You won't run away. Purpose is not all glamorous and sensational, but Instagram has made everything super, super sensational. So this idea of everything, you know, if it's not, if I'm not passionate about it, then that's not my vision. You are wrong. You are wrong. God will supply passion to a vision he calls you to do because you will need, you would need that passion to be able to follow through on the assignment. But there are days you wake up and you don't want to do it. So the true definition of passion is that willingness to follow through. Even when it's uncomfortable, passion is consecration. Passion is sacrifice. Passion is finishing. God, just like God started and finished, even when it was not comfortable, you stay there. That's true passion, right? It's not all sensational. So some people are just for the passion. I enjoy talking and I like what it makes. I love how it makes me feel. I love how it gets me popular. Some people are excited about what is looking like right now, right? Yeah, um, Nian, if you have to go, please, you can, absolutely. Um, as we start to tie this to an end, but if, if you have to go, my darling, please do that. And we'll definitely uh, talk to you about how you can get the recording. So passion is not always just about what is exciting to you. Passion is staying through, building the needed excitement for the assignment. You think I always want to do what I have to do? Absolutely not. I promise you. But you got to keep moving. And on the days you are tired, be sure that strength will be supplied to you. But this is how people get into hustle. Let me tell you what will terrify you because it happened to Adam and Eve. A creative work can actually become reduced to human hustle the moment we introduce personal agenda. So God can give an assignment, an idea, but soon we want, we want to use it to prove a point so that those who thought that we don't matter much will start to see that, you know, they, they, they interpreted us wrongly. We start to try to prove a point. We, we start to try to over-pressure that assignment to deliver money immediately. And, and God has put an idea in your heart. He's asked you to write a book. You put, you know, plenty of money on it because you're just like this thing. If I sell 1,000 copies, I want to make 20 million. And you're having income goals because that's what your business coaches have taught you right? And you start to introduce personal agenda. Whereas in the beginning, it was not so. That's how people reduce creative work to hustle. And it's easy to see when creative work is being reduced to hustle because you start to struggle. It's hustle now. It's struggle. It's strain. You start to do it by yourself. It's not powered by a divine energy anymore. I tell you what, you don't want to be in that place. Let me take you to the seventh, um, Inside, I want to share with you as we start to tie this to a close. I want to show you the example you have from God so that it helps you understand the two levels of work. Look at this scripture. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Look at that. He rested from all his work. So there was work he created and there was work he made, right? Look at 2 verse 7. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And then God and the, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. A man became a living being. Right? Look at that. 
So you see here, on the seventh day he sanctified it, and he rested from all his work, which he had both created and then he made. And in this initial scripture in 127, scripture said God made man. When you get to 2 verse 7, God formed man. So man was created before man was formed. And God both created his work and he made it. Same thing as, as formation. So when you want to partner with God, there are two levels of work. There's creative work and there's formative work. And we all must begin from the creative work and then we must move into formative work. Let me tell you what, it is about formative work in full that I created the, um, the, the Unbonding 2020. I'm going to show you something very, very profound. I don't want you to miss me here. God created and he made because there's always, there are always two levels of every work that we would actually be able to create with God and for God on the earth. There's first the creative work. And at this level of work, it's, it's called deep work. It's about visionary mastery. It's quietness. It's birthings. It's order setting. This is the, and this is the phase many people rush. If you rush out of creative work and you enter into formative work, you would have a premature child and it can die before it's time. Actually, it might not survive the pressure and the challenges of life because your work under God will be tested. And some of you are going through seasons of testings where you're feeling like, ah, I mean, is it not God who sent me? Let me tell you, you know, a very easy sign, a very easy sign that your, your work is from God, but it has been tested. In the midst of the test, God is still speaking. It's a very easy sign. And this is one thing I want you to keep in mind so that as you go through challenges, because the vision will be tested, it will be questioned, right? It may even be delayed, but it will not be destroyed. A big sign is that God will still be with you. Right in that storm, you will still feel the presence of God. Right in the delay, in the demotivation, in the slander, in the questioning of seemingly no results, you will still go be telling you more. And you'll be like, can you leave me? That's a big sign that the Father is taking you through a fine-tuning process. So my word to you this moment for every single person who is here and say, it doesn't look like it. And it seems it's been delayed. God is going to bring his word to passing you. So the creative work, don't rush out of it. This is where we must hear and hear clearly. It's where we must hear and hear clearly. Let me tell you what, if you don't hear well, you are going to tire out in the middle of the journey. Because there will be challenges. It's not all going to be just sweet and rosy. It might even look rosy on the outside. And God is saying, you are deviating. You might have 50,000 followers on Instagram and everybody's hailing you. And God is saying, you are deviating. You're shifting from the message. So you better understand your creative work. And you better, even as you begin to step into your formative work, don't lose your creative work. So the creative work is that place where God is speaking, where ideas are forming, where it is getting built where you are understanding what the future would look like, where you are understanding more about yourself and the gifts, the skills, and the talent that God wants to use. You are getting answers. Is building in your mind. You are knowing what to do. Do you understand? You are hearing. You are writing. Confirmations are coming. Prophecies are coming. The more you pray, the more it expands until you get a click in your spirit. And let me tell you, a click almost feels like how a woman knows when it's time to push because the child will be pressing through the, the, the womb canal. 
trying to come out, pressing through the canal, trying to come out, you will feel that pressure that it is time. But don't rush it. Don't just try to put up your next webinar and create a poster because everybody's doing something. You might get the excitement and the rush when people start to be like, wow, I I'm proud of you. But wait, wait it out. Wait it out. Ask more questions. Some of you are in a creative work season. I almost feel like I've just been writing. My journalist, for when will I do? You will sense it. It will be weighty. And the environment will start to respond to you. Resources will start to show up. Opportunities for collaborations will start to show up. Right? So we move from the creative work, that place where we have not stepped into doing, but we are seeing, we are discerning, our hearts are burning, it's getting bigger. And sometimes while in the creative, God gives you a chance to test the formative, but you are still really in the creative and it's getting bigger, right? And this is not to say you're going to have all the answers before you can step out, but there will be answers you must have that are fundamental to your stepping out. And then the next level, the formative work, and, I, and this thing, eh, guys, is not a two-hour conversation. I have big subtracts, some of them four or five hours, that you will sit with, you will get answers, drop in, bam, bam, when you enter into the full boot camp, right? And I've broken these things down in fuller details, the difference between that level of creative work and that level of formative work and how you begin to understand that it's time to start. And I have a checklist for you also of the things you must tick off, right? Okay, um, number six, let me take you back there. This is what number six looks like. Okay, I hope you caught that now. Fantastic. And then on seven, I was, I was talking about the two levels of work. God created and then God formed. Do you know God first created man right before he formed? formed him. Look at how he did it. He first created him in his image. And that's a spiritual state of perfection. Male and female, he created them. That moment he spoke, let us make man. Boom. He created them. And they were what is called a spiritual reality, but he was not yet, man was not yet a material reality. So after creating, he went ahead to form him out of the dust of the ground. That was where he was now molding him from the dust, framing all parts of his human body. And then he breathed, you know, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then man became a living being, right? And I have a whole mystery that God opened up to me about the formative process, and how it involves, I mean, the creative process and how it involves a lot of affirmations and confessions. And that is why, let me tell you this secret. If you forget anything I taught you today, as a visionary, as you begin to see, make sure you start to write out confessions about what you are seeing. 